are listening to Fanholes, a podcast for fans by the fans. Secret Brothers. I have clinical. You guys are like wasting my time right now. Hey, baby. What's going on? This is my microphone voice. <laughs> Where do you buy those at? I need one. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck is going on. I didn't invent honorable mentions, mister. <laughs> I have a headset. It looks way cool. You should all be jealous. I, uh, we are. I'm with Mike on that one. I'm a woman! <laughs> it is our show. It's called Fan Holes, not, you know, what you guys want. <laughs> <laughs> We do a podcast? What the fuck? Yeah, probably you, you guys. Y'all got strength. I, I ain't got no strength. I ain't got no strength at all. These are all puppets. Like the fan holes, guys. Yeah, that's how the fan holes are, because they talk all the time about pop culture. And, like, you know, it's made for the fans by the shoot. You know, hold on, hold on. You have these pants from Stark's closet. Take these off and show you something beautiful. Hey dudes, what's up? This is Fanholes Podcast. Hey, what's up guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be one of your hosts tonight, and I'm joined tonight by two of my fellow Fanholes. Why don't you give a shout out, guys? Hello, my name is Ultron, and I am an alcoholic. Oh, actually, it's Mike uh, Thunderwing. Hey guys, this is Tony. And I am the ultimate Tony. You are. You are the ultimate Tony. If humans are so horrible and imperfect, then why are you acting just like one? Look at what you're doing. You're making yourself a girlfriend? You don't even see it, do you? You're becoming just like us. You are wrong. I am beyond your ability to comprehend. So, we are here to discuss, as part of our ongoing Avengers Month, we are here to discuss the Avengers West Coast, and I guess this was something that was brought up to us by Tony, and he wanted to discuss what he kind of referred to as the war toy arc in Avengers West Coast, which actually runs from Avengers West Coast issue 89 to issue 91. Uh, interestingly enough, thanks to... Amazon and Marvel.com and all these other places, we do know that there's actually going to be a trade paperback that's referred to as Ultron Unbound that's actually coming out that has these issues, and it also happens to have West Coast Avengers Annual 8 and the Vision miniseries from 1994, which was a four-issue miniseries, and these all feature, of course, Ultron. So we thought we'd discuss the whole enchilada, and... I guess just to go into it, uh, the the stock standard description 
for the trade and these issues that we're going to be discussing tonight is as follows. Earth's mightiest heroes face their deadliest foe once again. More powerful than ever before, the mechanical menace has declared himself the ultimate Ultron. And he's upgraded his elimination target from merely mankind to all life on Earth. But Ultron doesn't intend to inherit the world alone. Which of the West Coast Avengers women will he take as the basis for his metallic mate, known as War Toy? As the wackos regroup after a blistering assault, Ultron finds that the path of true love doesn't run smooth, even for ruthless robots. Brace yourself for a lover's tiff for the ages. And so this is this is actually uh, by written by Roy Thomas and Dan Thomas, and that's not to be confused. Uh, I don't I don't know if you guys know this or not, but that's actually uh, Roy Thomas's wife. So it's, it's short for Danette. So just in case anybody didn't know. And then I guess there are uh, some of the other issues are written by uh, Bob Harris uh, for the Vision miniseries, I think. So yeah, I, I, well, I, I guess I should go into why I, I picked this originally. First of all, from what you guys heard from Age of Ultron, the the actual comic series that we discussed a while back. <laughs> Some people might think we don't like Ultron, <laughs> but that was just because that was a horrible series. That was just a bad comic. Well, Ultron, I think, Ultron wasn't in it, not to like, you know, like. Yeah, yeah, he was. A, he was in like three pages. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> lots of Ultron heads, though. Um, <laughs> but uh, but I love Ultron. Um, I was thinking about this earlier. I think one of the reasons why I do like Ultron so much is because the Avengers have guys like Doctor Doom or Loki who they go against. But those guys are kind of other character villains. You know, they, they usually think of Fantastic Four or Thor when you think of, like, those villains. There's, like, a select group of, like, bad guys who are, like, totally Avengers villains. And Ultron is definitely one of them. Because he, he's so tied to, like, all the different Avengers in different ways, like, especially Hank Pym, of course. And, like, whenever he he shows up, except for Age of Ultron, he's usually in a really cool story or at the very least a really fun story. And this is a really fun story. Um, and also it's got that old school vibe. Ultron's actually in it. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's actually nice. I, I was going to say, like, honestly, like when, when you mentioned this, cause I, I know like it falls right around the, the early nineties. So this actually was published. The, the three issue arc with war toy was actually published like at the tail end of 1992. And then it runs over into 1993. And you know, my, my fear was, I was like, Oh no, this is going to be like, like some 90s thing that I'm going to have to read and I, I'm going to hurt Tony's feelings if I don't like it or whatever. But I, I just wanted to say, like, one, it's written by, you know, Roy Thomas, and then, of course, with his wife, Dan Thomas. And, and it does have that kind of classic feel. Like, you know, Roy Thomas has been writing The Avengers since way back, you know, and, and he's written, you know, stuff like The All-Star Squadron. So, like, I mean, it, it's written by someone who has a lot of, uh, you know, knowledge and history about comics and everything. So, you know, e even though the art may be a little tailored to the tastes at the time and everything, I mean, the story, for the most part, like you're saying, it's very fun and it reads really well. So I, I, I don't know that that holds true for the annual or the Vision miniseries, which we'll talk about a little later, but the, the War Toy arc I thought was, was very fun. Yeah. Um, um, what, what do you think about that, Mike? Uh, I know. 
know like you haven't you didn't really read a lot of like '90s stuff, and how, how do you how do you like uh, Ultron's little arc here? Uh, I, I had read this before. Like I, I, I used to read uh, like West Coast Avengers, and like yeah, I, I always liked this arc. I mean, obviously, I'm a big Hawkeye fan, and like uh, I'm a big fan of like all these characters, basically. So like uh, I enjoyed revisiting it, and I did want to yeah, like like Derek said, I was kind of like man, like this is like they're, they're like trying, they're in the middle of their like we gotta try and ape vision, uh, what do you call it? image comics like now like kind of like they're sort of starting to like uh get into that mode kind of it seems like and uh i don't like yeah i won't say like the art's bad but it certainly isn't like to my tastes or anything yeah like like the cover of issue 89 like where it starts i don't know what the hell ultron's doing with his arm but it looks like he's in immense <laughs> pain from it yeah he's like ah. Well, you you mentioned Age of Ultron, and uh, speaking of shitty Bendis like stories and stuff, uh, I can add a little bit of uh, trivia for you guys that you might not have known. Um, the Mockingbird that shows up in, in the third part is the Skrull Mockingbird because she was replaced in between uh, Ultron capturing her and like like uh, they they take her straight out of Ultron's captivity and put the Skrull Mockingbird in. New Avengers That's... The Reunion by Jim McCann, uh which, what do you call it? I think it, it, it establishes, because, like, Clint kind of, like, brings up, like, when, like, after Bobby has been resurrected, quote-unquote, like, in C- Secret Invasion or whatever, that he was like, well, you know, before you died, we, we had reconciled, and she's like, no, he didn't, and then he he realizes, oh, you were replaced before we reconciled. So they kind of reconcile in the part three of this story arc, but that means that it's the Skrull Mockingbird that like says, you know, yeah, I want to get back together with you, Clint. And he's like, oh yeah, <laughs> all right. Yeah. Um, I, I guess since you kind of let the cat out of the bag that uh, um, Mockingbird is the one who's captured, and due to the synopsis, you know, the teasing of it. Um, I guess it's it really spoilers for like a almost thirty year old comic should not be that big of a deal. Yeah, not at um, all. Yeah, yeah, Mockingbird is the one who gets captured, and she is the basis for uh, Ultron's like latest endeavors for getting busy with his robotic self, uh, War Toy. Um, it's kind of funny because <clears throat> it's kind of a callback to I, I know Derek knows this character, maybe Mike does, but you remember uh, Jocasta? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was like his first attempt. That was a robot based off of uh, Janet Van Dyne, and she was, you know, supposed to be a robot version of her. So uh, this time he pulls, you know, obviously Hawkeye into the mix because, you know, Mockingbird is his, you know, estranged uh, ex-wife at this point. Um, And, of course, Plant's kind of pissed off, obviously. And uh, then we get introduced to War Toy, and I'm going to butcher this, but um, who's also called Alkima? Yeah, I, I figure Al- Alchema. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's, something like that. that's pretty much what I always. Say, I, I, yeah. I thought it was funny because it's like when when they finally follow up on her in the Kurt Busiek run, like they they never actually. I don't think they refer to her as War Toy. They always call her like Alchema Two or something like that. It's like I, I I guess I can see why. Like that's kind of a derogatory name, you know. Like where it's like you're my toy. <laughs> that's that's what Ultron basically <laughs> yeah. was like. I created you, bitch. You my toy, you know. So it's like they kind of wanted to like avoid that connotation I think as they as they revisited the character in in later stories but but it is kind of funny how like I mean even the 
the uh, synopsis, you know, kind of describes like it's going to be the lovers' tiff for the ages, you know. And you're like, yeah, they do really have a lot of spats over, you know, how to go about, you know, fulfilling this goal. Which I, I, I don't know. I, I think it's kind of funny how it, it's like, oh, well, before I was just going to exterminate humanity, but now it's like all of a sudden it's like carbon units must all be destroyed. You know, I keep thinking of fucking. I, Leah from V'ger and shit, because it's like, now it's like all carbon-based life. It's like, what? Flower? You looking at me funny, flower? Exterminate! You know, and you're just like, dude, what, what is the flower gonna do to impede your rule, Ultron? Like, chill the fuck out. Like, but yeah, he, he seems to be all about, you know, killing cows and flowers, and, and, you know, spoilers, he even kills Carlos, the pool guy, and Carlos did nothing! Nothing to Ultron. You know what's funny? I did, speaking of, of uh, the the Kurt Busiek, you know, Ultron uh, story, though. You know, I did go back to look to see what you told me, Mike, before about how, you know, quote-unquote drunk Ultron shows up. And, you know, it's funny, like, I, I looked through it a few times, and I'm kind of like, I don't see the Ultron in trench coat. Like, where is he? And it's like he's not in a trench coat, so it's like I missed yeah. that one. It's like that one panel where he's like, boy, I'm off the sauce. Like, now I'm clean and sober. <laughs> You know, <laughs> it's just kind of like, it's funny. <laughs> but, um. Um, one thing I will say about this, uh, especially is it has like a lot of my uh, favorite West Coast Avengers. I mean, obviously you have Hawkeye. I mean, he's always a mainstay. But you have like, you know, you have uh, Wanda, you have uh, Arachne, as she's called now, but Spider-Woman. And, uh, you know, just a lot of classic, like, you know, U.S. Agent, I know it was one of Derek's faves. Yeah. Just like, you know, a lot of, yeah, a lot of, a lot of classic wackos. So that was also a really nice touch, too. Well, Wonder I, I like, Man is in this arc, too, right? Yeah, yeah, Wonder yeah. Man's in there. And Vision, like, kind of shows up. He's, like, not a, like... Well, he's he's kind of like the surprise, like, last page guy at the end of the first part where he, he shows up to, to fight his daddy, pretty much, you know, where, you know, it looks like Ultron's about to, like, do in, I think, like, Hawkeye and... Scarlet Witch or whatever, and then he he magically shows up to sort of be the save the day guy and everything. And this is this is Vision in his, I guess I I was calling it like the the Snow White mode or the Ghost mode or I, whatever. I call it a Naked Vision. Naked Vision mode with with his his toes and his footsies yeah. exposed like that. Probably you know you know what most people would go oh right away if we said the Captain America and the Avengers video game vision like that's yeah. that that is the vision that that shows up at this point in time and and he's there to combat his dad i can can i just talk for a minute like can we yuck it up like i most of the story is very very good but i just wanted to yuck it up with you guys for a minute like in the beginning ultron is held in captivity at the vault and he's in what is like an admantium like sauna or something, you know, basically you, you can only, you know, you can only see him from the neck up or whatever. And it's like, Oh, well, Ultron, you know, is made of adamantium, but he's not going to be able to break out of this adamantium encasement that he's trapped in, in the vault. And they make this big, long expositional, you know, Roy Thomas thing that, you know, clearly lays out to you. Like this cell uh, is not allowed to have any electronics brought into it because, you know, who knows what, you know, the ultimate Ultron will be able to do with with these electronics and everything. So the guards come in and it's supposed to be like, you know, they read the newspaper or they, you know, I don't know, whatever they do. They, they don't bring in any electronics. But what's hilarious is what expedites his early release is this one guard's like, 
lucky me, I snuck into my, my Tiger Toys video game or whatever. You know, and it's like, I got this past the warden and nobody knows and everything. And he's all proud of himself and he's going to get, like, the top high score or some shit. And I'm just kind of like, man, like, the world was nearly brought to its knees because some fucking douchebag had to play his, like... <laughs> Tiger Toys, whatever it was, like some some game, the angry video game nerd would be like all pissed off because you know it's like the you know you had to press the B button to like slide or something, you know. And he was, brought in the, the Tiger X Men game where Apocalypse <laughs> would constantly try to jump kick you. I'd be like, oh fuck you, Apocalypse, you fucking jump kick. Because that's what that's what Apocalypse is known for, right? His vicious jump kick. You know. Yep. Uh, I wonder. I wonder if that guy was just like really stu- like it, if, since he's that stupid. I wonder if he just fell for the thing where like Ultron's like you know watching him menacingly as he plays his Tiger Electronic video game trademark. And he's just like, hey, can I try? And the guy's like, oh yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. It's like Ultron takes over the game and he's like Hal from 2001, where it's like Dave, you're playing me, Dave, and now I'm gonna escape, Dave. You know, like basically, and that that's basically how. Ultron breaks out of the vault and everything. Um, oh, you mentioned U.S. Agent. I, you know, I, I'm just kind of going through some of my notes that I, I had through the the issues and everything, and bringing it up for for discussion purposes. But like to, to me at this point, it I don't know that I was like I think I wasn't a regular reader of West Coast Avengers after John Byrne left the title. So like somewhere in the like late 40s, 50s or whatever. Yeah. But yeah. but I mean yeah. I did occasionally read it when it you know there were some crossovers. Like I remember towards the tail end, like actually after this storyline where they they had a big team up with the X Men and the Avengers and everything, and some of the West Coast Avengers issues were of course part of that. You know, and it was all this kind of 90s stuff with Exodus and. Magneto and whatever was going on at the time, but uh, you know, even in those issues, like U.S. Agent was very much like the Guy Gardner, you know, he, he's Guy Gardnering it up, you know, where he's always kind of the the uh, I guess antagonistic force in the team, you know, he's I guess he's the that guy at that moment in yeah, time. Yeah, like, I, I always liked you know? his role as sort of like it, it was kind of comeuppance for Hawkeye to like. Be, be that guy for Cap, like, all that time, and then all of a sudden he's got a that guy who is dressed like Cap. Cap, almost. yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, come on! Yeah. Yeah, jo- Johnny Walker slash, uh, I don't know, Jägermeister slash whatever drinking <laughs> alcohol you can think of. <laughs> yeah, he, he was very much a dick back then, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The the other thing in my notes that I just wanted to mention was, thank Linkara! Nothing awful has ever happened to Rachel Carpenter. I did some research, and she didn't die a horrible, horrible death. So <laughs> Linkara can rest easy. Because I, I was like, I was like, I was looking, and I'm like, oh, like you know, Rachel is obviously you know on the grounds when Ultron attacks and everything. And even though poor Carlos gets nailed and everything, like she, you know, Rachel is is safe, and I think they they managed to get get her off the you know, the Avengers compound or whatever on the West Coast and everything. I think, I think she's one of those kids who are consigned to the awful fate of never aging. Like, yeah, like, it doesn't seem like she's she's always a little girl, like, because she hasn't actually aged or anything. But I was, like, on the bright side when I was looking at it, I'm like, well, you know, she didn't get, like, you know, put in a refrigerator or, you know, nothing nothing yeah. horrible happened to her. She didn't get blown up. So I was like, that's that's kind of cool, you know. I mean, in case you're wondering who we're talking about, uh, listeners, uh, Rachel is uh, Julia's daughter, and Julia's, of course, Spider-Woman. So there you go. 
Yeah, she was, you know, she was a primary supporting character, whether you were watching, like, you know, the Iron Man cartoon or, you know, if you if you actually were reading West Coast Avengers. And I think she ended up being in a lot of issues of Force Works, if I'm not mistaken, too. She she is my favorite character with the name Spider-Woman, so there's that. Like, Nice. Yeah, the thing about Julia, she was like a single mom, and I was like, why Rachel was such a big part of, like, yeah, the... The uh, secondary characters. So. Yeah, I do. I do think I prefer her as Spider Woman more than than anything else. Yeah, yeah, me too. I like I like well, the she gets, she, better. She gets to be super useless as Madam Web in like the Spider Man comics, like nowadays. So. Hooray! Oh, she yeah, gets really to tell Spider Man like vague, <laughs> vague visions of the future that never come true or are totally useless or you know whatever. Does she have? Does she have? Creepy fucked up eyeball earrings. I think she wears glasses. Like I forgot, yeah. it, it was like Gr- Grim Hunt, like years ago. Like the the old Madam Web died and like passed her powers on to Julia Carpenter. So don't give me that crapola. You know, Rachel, just like is that what I'm going to be when I grow up? Because I really don't want to be that. Speaking of maybe some some happier things, I, I was curious. Were you guys excited when Ultron finally busts in and tries to kidnap along with like Myron? McLean and and Mockingbird. He also tries to kidnap Hank Pym, like because I I, I kind of like Hank Pym from this particular era. I mean, he's not really in the red jumpsuit, but it's still kind of like civilianized Hank Pym. And I I like when like just out of nowhere he busts out and like it's like he's got like a little Pym gun, but you can't see it. And then all of a sudden the Pym particles enlarge it, and he's all ready to like, like sort of combat the Ultimate Ultron that is basically crashed into his domicile and stuff like that. So, like, I, you know, I mean, I, I know he gets kidnapped and everything throughout the course of the the story, but I thought it was still fun to see, you know, Hank Pym. Like, West Coast Avengers Hank Pym is probably one of my favorite versions of the character because he, he's, he's not useless, as he's sometimes written, and he's also not, like, always just a huge dickhead and, like, wife beater, blah, blah, blah. They did a lot to, like reestablish the like the Hank Pym we all know and love, you know, this guy who's just really smart and he's just trying his best, you know? Well, I, I think it's like Mike is always fond of saying about Flash Thompson. Like, he, he caught Flash at the right moment where he was, you know, Peter Parker's buddy and, like, a decent good guy. And so even though Flash has gone through all these different ebbs and flows where he's been, like, a bully jock and he's been a war hero and he's been, like, sort of like a gym coach and a PE teacher and... He's been an alcoholic, you know, and they do all this crazy stuff with him, and he goes back and forth. Like, you could have easily run into Flash Thompson when he was an alcoholic and gone, oh, man, what a loser, you know, like type thing. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, Mike ran into him at the right time. And I think I think for me and, and probably you, Tony, from the way you're talking about it, you know, to me, the red jumpsuit Hank Pym is how I first was exposed to him. So I feel like I, I ran into him at a good moment in his his career. It wasn't when he was kind of losing it and getting mentally whacked out as Yellow Jacket or anything like that. And it wasn't, you know, when he was wearing, you know, I don't know, goofy crossing costumes and stuff like that. It was, to me, I was like, oh, it's just the right, you know, the right time and place to sort of get attached to the guy. Yeah, I I knew who he was, but yeah, yeah, like, my first, like, I guess you would say ongoing, yeah, exposure to the character was definitely, like, West Coast Avengers and yeah, yeah, it was, it was it was a good run for him. He he was yeah, definitely. I guess you would say, um, for me, that's that's my uh, uh, I'm trying to think of the word. 
on the tip of my tongue. Touchstone? I don't know. Nah, not Touchstone. My uh, definitive Hank. Oh, down. okay, okay. Yeah. yeah, he was in a good place, and I think people like to call this like the Doctor Who Hank Pym or okay, something. Okay. Cause, like it seems like he solves everything with like science or his mind, and rarely resorts to like fisticuffs or whatever. So yeah, that's yeah. actually really funny. Um, one of my first issues of West Coast Avengers. Um, hey, I want to take a trip down memory lane, kids. Back when I was in uh, high school, I used to uh, actually middle school. Excuse me. I used to go to this guy's house. He was a older guy. He was about to go into college and stuff, and he was like a cool dude. But he used to read comics like crazy. But he was kind of getting out of them. He was kind of you know growing up and you know going to college. And I would go up to his house uh, like once or twice a week, and he would sell me all these old comics for fifty cents a piece. And he had them like under his bed. He just pull out this big huge box, and I could just pick and choose. It was a way for him to make some quick money, a way for me to get some cheap comics. And one of the first comics I bought was I can't remember the issue. But it was when Moon Knight and uh, Hank Pym joined the uh, West Coast Avengers. And it was just, you know, Dr. Pym. And it, he, he he actually said, I was like, who's this guy? You know, I was like, he's like, oh, dude, that's like Hank Pym. And I was like, oh, Hank Pym? And he's like, yeah, he's kind of like Doctor Who. And I'm like, oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yep, memories, got to love them. But yeah, yeah, it was cool seeing Ultron bust in. But that's, that's classic Ultron. That's what you want to see from Ultron. Speaking of, like, Hank Pym, it's like, uh, this was also the era when, like, Hawkeye would bust out, like, the Pym particles whenever he needed, like, a ace in the hole, and he'd turn into, like, Goliath and stuff. And, like, he, yeah, he yeah. does that in this, yeah. And, like, I, I I don't know if I've ever, like, like I don't, I don't have any feelings one way or the other towards, like, uh, Clint's, like, time as, like, Goliath, but... I, I, like sometimes I think it's like cool, and sometimes I'm kind of like, oh, okay, this is a stupid costume. Like, was, go was back, that, go back. Was that something that he did often in this era? Because for for me, like just coming to it sort of fresh, like I knew that Hawkeye was Goliath at some point, but I wasn't sure if this was like an act of desperation or if it was something he did on a regular basis. Yeah, he like he had done it some, before, but like. I don't know, yeah, like... He like, was, like, not comfortable being Goliath, but he didn't... He didn't mind using the power, but he just didn't want to be known as Goliath. He wanted to be... He wanted to be Hawkeye. If that did, makes it, did, it did sound like they were constantly like, don't don't grow too big, because your heart's going to get, like, weak or something. Oh, yeah, that was the other thing, too, yeah. He he had, like, the pin particles didn't react well with him when he got, when he got big. Yeah, like, it, I don't know. I, I can remember a lot of, like, yeah, back issues I had where he was in the Goliath suit, basically. So, I don't know. I think he, he stayed Goliath for a few, like, a, I think he, he he stays Goliath for a little while, then he turns back to Hawkeye, and then, like, Mockingbird, like, quote-unquote, dies, and then he stays as Hawkeye from that point, pretty much. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, I guess, I guess we should move past Ultron, like, just busting up the place. Um, I guess we should actually talk about like War Toy a little bit more, or uh, Alkima, whatever you want to call it. For anybody who hasn't seen her, this version especially, I don't know about Alkima too, I wasn't really around for that. But yeah, she really does look pretty much like Mockingbird in robot form. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because the way it's designed, I, I want to say, and I, this is not like me trying to be clever or anything, but she, she does look very bird-like, you know, like the, the, in, I don't know, she just seems very kind of tiny and life and kind of, I, I, you know, just that she, she does kind of look almost like this robotic, 
slim bird type shape or whatever. Yeah, it's kind of funny. I mentioned Jocasta earlier, and Jocasta wasn't really wimpy, but she wasn't really made to fight. And like Wartoy was definitely made for battle. Like you know, she was definitely pulled from you know Mockingbird, which is really funny because you know Wasp would fight. I mean, she was in the Avengers for Christ's sake. She wasn't a like you know wimp, but it seems like Ultron really went for like a more combative, like aggressive type, you know, for this uh, new model of his quest for love. <laughs> hey, it could also just be a reflection of the times, too. Like Mike was saying, this is sort of heralding in the beginning of the whole image era of comics, and, and maybe that's what they thought they needed to do to have, like, you know, another cool robot to, like, sell comics and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, she's got to be badass because every, everybody else is a badass, yeah. Well, I mean, it's interesting, too, because it's not what you think of as the traditional... Um, the traditional robot either, like, because most times, you know, you, you might think it's the typical, you know, 2XL, you know, kind of stiff, stilted, you know, or even, you know, the sort of traditional Transformers dialogue box with the kind of squawky edges and everything like that. But she seems very, uh, as opposed to Data, who has trouble, you know, with contractions and being human and emotions, you know, even Vision, who's fighting his father, you know, he has a tough time dealing with emotions in a lot of story arcs and everything, but it seems like War Toy just seems very kind of like, hey boys, I'm gonna, like, beat you up now, you know, like, and don't get in my way, I'm gonna kick you off me, and, you know, she she seems like very colloquial, and, you know, basically the, the excuse, I guess, is that she is based on Bobby Morse's brainwave patterns and everything like that. But then it's like, it's kind of funny that it's this kind of robotic Terminator-esque robot that's going to kill all of humanity. But then she's like, hey, Ulti, let's, like, go beat up the Avengers. And Ultron's <laughs> like, don't call me Ulti, you know. <laughs> it's like Harley Quinn almost, yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> hey, Mr. Ulti! You know, like that kind of thing, you know. Yeah. Well, what, what, uh, I guess, you know, like, going into that, uh, what do you think of Ultra? You were, you were mentioning earlier he's with destroy all carbon like base life everywhere. How does this rank on your Ultron evil planometer? It seems pretty thorough and comprehensive. I mean, <laughs> yeah. if not extreme, I mean at least at least he's upfront about it. Like I I I just think like it's funny how they they seem to portray it as he's dawned on this. Like this this is something that's dawned to him for the first time, and I'm just kind of like. Wait, you mean before you were only going to kill, like, just humans and stuff? I, I don't know how to describe that. It's kind of like it, it, it's kind of like a Klingon who's like, Not only will I kill James Kirk, but I will kill everyone in the Federation. And they act like it's this big discovery, you know, where it's like, oh, You know, and I'm kind of like, I, I don't know, it seems a little obvious to me, like, in, in some ways, you know. Maybe like Magneto being like, you know, trying to save one mutant for, like, years, and then one day being like, I should save all, all mutants. of them, yeah, 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 that's that's kind of what it feels like to me, where it's like, <laughs> wait, you're done, like, I mean, I, I, I do agree that it's kind of extreme, and I don't think, a, you know, a cow or, or a tree could impede his his world domination scheme, but, but I do understand the idea, like, oh, well, if you kill trees... You, you effectively are, are hurting humanity, too, right? Because we need them to breathe, you know? Like, you know, so it's like, you know, it, it changes the the atmosphere and the environment and all that other stuff. And if he kills a bunch of cows, we don't got any food to eat. And, 
yada, 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 yada. So, I mean, you know, to me, it seems like it all kind of comes to the same end goal, you know, one way or the other. So, yeah, I like, uh, like, like I, I, I sort of like their, well, like their spat in the third part where Ultron's like, you know, yo, why, 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 why are you giving me a hard time? Like woman. And she's, she's kind of like, you want to destroy everything at once. And like, I kind of want to destroy it like slowly. Like, you know, let's take our time. Like, cause where's the fun in it? You know, like she wants to do sort of like an Android 17 and 18 thing, like from yeah, Dragon Ball yeah, or something totally. like but. What, what did it remind you of? Yeah, that, that's exactly what I was going to say. It did oh, okay. kind of remind me of, like, that whole, you know, 18 vibe where it's like, you know, let's just, you know, have fun and go, you know, from town to town and kill people slowly, you know. Whereas Ultron's like, oh, I, you know, I, I want to launch this missile silo and launch this bomb and, and kill the maximum amount of people in the, the, the least amount of time. Whereas, you know, War Toy seems to relish the idea of, of making humanity suffer, basically, which which is kind of cool though, because it gives uh, you know the heroes a chance to like you know fight back, obviously, but also like everybody always complains about the the villain who monologues too much or like you know I'm going to put you in this trap and it's going to hang over this pit and if this shark you know all that crap you know, but Ultron is just like no, I just want to get this shit done. I want to get it over with. <laughs> Maximum efficiency. He is a robot. He is a yeah. robot, and and yeah. you know he's been around the block a couple times too. Like this is this is War Toy's first first go around the block with the bicycle and everything. And Ultron's like, I've been around this block, man. You don't know, man. There's crazy neighborhood kids. They throw tomatoes. It gets rough <laughs> and eggs and everything. It's like you might as well just take them all down now. And she's like, No, no. I wanna I wanna push the little kid who throws the egg at me over, and then I wanna play with them. You know, I wanna I wanna kick him in the in the Chins and do terrible things to him. You know, you know what scene I want to mention is like, man, like the the freaking Quinjet's like seatbelts must be like amazing because <laughs> like like Scarlet Witch like she she crashes a Quinjet into into like both of them and like it says like they don't buckle like they they're made of adamantium so like the, the Quinjet just crumples into a like tin can when it hits them but she's like totally fine like she's like up and running in like five minutes like well, you know <laughs> we, we gotta we gotta teach the kids that wearing seatbelts and Quinjets is is the way to go I guess. She must have went to the Deanna Troy School of Piloting, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, apparently, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I guess this is the period where Scarlet Witch's powers were on the fritz, so she couldn't depend on her hexes as much as she could depend on crashing a, a Quinjet into Ultron, <laughs> which probably worked out just as well as if her hex had gone wrong, you know? Because like, it yeah. it's not like that actually did anything to them either. My muted power is crashing into things. <laughs> Oh man. Um I actually that that is a good, kind of a good point with uh War Toy though. Like obviously, you know, doesn't work out totally great. But um as Derek has mentioned uh and I mentioned with Jocasta and Derek mentioned Vision, Ultron has this thing about making robots for himself to like serve and also sometimes fuck with the heads of the Avengers and stuff. But usually they end up not working out so well for him. Like Vision turned pretty quickly. And uh, as well as Jocasta, like, and at least War Toy, she's a little bit fucked up. She's like, she's still pretty violent and stuff. So, like, do, do you think like he's getting better at it? 
I don't know. She she sort of argues with them pretty quickly. So I I I'd be willing to say since she ultimately does not end up serving him on a permanent basis, I'd say no. He hasn't gotten better at it. He's, he's much he's much better at like you know commandeering tiger toy games than he is making like a a reasonably well built loyal ally for himself. I think I think he's he's basically like more human than he'd admit, and like he wants a mate, but he doesn't want like. He doesn't want any back talk, basically, but he he's kind of like, well, he was like, you don't want a drone, do you? And he's like, because clearly he doesn't. But then he's like, well, yeah, but you're I'm your master and your creator. You got to do what I say. And she's like, no. Yeah. He's he, like, oh, he I don't does, get he it. Does, he does have that Beast Machines Megatron syndrome where it's like he, he does want the order and the pristine thing where it's like. We're, we're all going to be like Ultron, but then he tries to like make himself a companion, and then all of a sudden it's kind of like, well, I want to do this instead, baby, and he's kind of like, what, war toy? He's like, baby, why you gotta be busting my metal balls? Like, <laughs> it's like that's why that's why you turn to the booze and the fucking vision. <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be, like, one arc where, like, Ultron just tries to steal Miss Lion because he's like, dogs never talk back. I'll just fucking make a robot dog. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it's like he, he take the engrams of Miss Lion, and then before you know it, <laughs> robot poop everywhere. He's like, damn you. Damn you, Lion Tron. Like, stop disobeying me. Damn it, Lion. No. Um, <laughs> Do we want to move on to talking about, like, the annual or... Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, j- just so everybody knows that my my commentary on the annual is in direct correlation with how this original three issue arc ends. Which, just so people know, I mean, basically the Avengers shoot them into space on like a missile, and then when we pick up with the annual, they're like, I don't know, hanging out with the Ninja Turtles in the sewer. Like, I don't know how that happened, but that's that's where it ends up, and then. I don't know. I, I I thought the annual was kind of average. Like I was not I was not as enthralled with it as no, I was with. The no, it it has that typical, super typical '90s, early '90s Marvel annual thing where it's like we've got to introduce a new character who can, we can like you know launch into another like book or whatever. And uh, of course, like all the, almost all these characters either become like D-list Marvel like guest stars. Or are completely awful and forgettable, and that is the case here. Yeah, it is. Raptor. Raptor is this kid that turns into a giant, like, bird type thing, and he is completely awful and completely forgettable. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> he, he was like the uh, the uh, prototype reptile, but he can only turn into one thing. <laughs> Uh, he, 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 I think in current Marvel continuity, he probably hangs with like Black Wolf somewhere, like in the never to be like, mentioned again, like, you know, actually, I don't know. Did it, either of you like look up has, has he ever shown up again in some other place? Like, I don't even know. I, I didn't look it up. I, I, I can look up real quick. Raptor Marvel. Didn't he join Cobra at one point? The, the G.I. Joe Cobra, or... Yeah, yeah. He, he's referring to the, the G.I. Joe character, Raptor, who oh, that's is right, yeah. a Cobra salesman who dresses like a big bird and everybody laughs at him. But this <laughs> in this case, the guy actually transforms into a bird, even though he looks like a big goober anyway. And, and everyone laughs at him. 
And everyone laughs. Well, I'm laughing at him. I mean, I, I think I think We're Tony, all Stark, at him. Tony Stark was bedridden and sent sent his his uh, ro- robotically controlled armor, and he was still laughing at him. So, well, according to Wikipedia, um, Raptor is the name of three fictional characters in the Marvel Comics universe. The first Raptor appeared in Avengers West Coast as a minor villain and is a mutant. The end. Then it goes into the second one. So yeah, I guess not. Probably never, or maybe he showed up somewhere else and then died immediately, like like Night Watch or something. Yeah, yeah. We, we'll just assume. Oh this wait, okay. Here it is. This is because the character's name is Gary Wilton Jr. And just going by comic database, there was Annual Eight. Apparently, he was in like some kind of Civil War, like battle damage report issue. I bet you it's just like a file card or something where it's like, yeah, this guy, that is, this, I think. this guy got sent to the, you know, he got sent to, uh, what is it? Area 42. And he was never fucking heard from again. Iron Man remembered that he tried to fight with him in this issue. And he's like, I'm sticking this guy in my gulag. Fuck that guy. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Fuck that <laughs> Raptor guy. So, oh, yeah, that, that must be what happened to him. There's something else that says, I, I don't know what it is, but it's called Avengers Roll Call, but I, I imagine it's also probably another, it's got so many artists, I imagine it's another handbook. Yeah, it is. It looks like basically after this issue, that character has appeared in handbooks, and that's it. <laughs> oh, oh, here, here's something else. This is not impressive, but I looked up Gary Wilton Jr. since you said that. Raptor kept his powers after M-Day and was seen trying to flee into France, but was confronted by the French superhero La Pellegrin. I don't even know, I don't even know if it's the same Raptor, because there are three of them. So, yeah, he, he, can form a, he can form a team with Annex and Corona. So. <laughs> can, can Condor join this team? Yes, Condor can, and Nightwatch, and Black Wolf. They can all, they'll have uh, the rejected 90s guys, or whatever. It's like, it's like Marvel's version of the Amazing Zoo Crew. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I just, there there are so many different artists on it. I mean, as far as, like, a benefit or a, a good thing to say about this annual, I did really like the pinup of War Machine by Barry Kitson. Like, yeah, the, I mean, the pinups are always yeah. We're always yeah. like a selling point. To that me. that that was a nice pinup, and 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 it looked very cool. But I mean, no, other I didn't, than that, I didn't pay attention. I know you're pretty good at this stuff, Derek. Uh, but it wasn't written by Roy Thomas, so no. I think I think I well, it says it says Roy Thomas, and then some some other <laughs> person wrote some of the other pages. So I think he did write a lot of that, actually. Oh really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, on the first page it says Roy Thomas writer, so and then Clem Robert Robbins letterer. Yeah, so I, I think he did write the issue. I mean, I, I suppose Raptor could have you know somehow found his way into the All Star Squadron or something, and people would go, "Ha ha, he's a lame DC character or whatever." But I don't know. I mean, it, it's it, it, the character is what it is. I mean, it, it, they're trying hard to pimp him, but he, I don't know, he feels. Like, he feels like, really nineties. Well, no, I, I think he just feels like one of those characters they would throw into annuals, and and Marvel and DC were guilty of that. I mean, you had whole events where, yeah, Bloodlines, Bloodlines, yeah. and 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 that weird thing where there were all those uh, you know international heroes or whatever in every annual, like you know, so it's like you know, and and I don't remember any, you know what I mean? Like they're they're just not memorable. They don't last and. I think they're just hoping that 
like, you know, I, I think the idea is they hope they have the one guy, like the one hitman, you know, the one, one Tommy Monaghan that stands out among all these annuals. But uh, it, obviously this, this Raptor kid was not a yeah. guy, you know. It's basically the whole ideology of let's throw a whole bunch of shit against the wall and see what sticks. Yeah, that's that's kind of what it feels like. I mean, I, I, I don't have much to say about the annual. As I, I mean, it's not it's not it's it's average but but i i don't you know i i have a lot more to say about vision and i think that miniseries is actually wow is it terrible but i feel like i have much more to say about it than i do about the annual the, the only like i said the pinups were kind of nice and you know obviously like it's another adventure with the west coast avengers but it, it's kind of more forgettable than the, the stuff with war toy i i kind of don't understand like I was kind of hoping that this annual would be like the Teen Titans annual was for the Judas contract. It's like they had a couple issues where they were really awesome, and then and then the annual was like the final double-sized chapter that wrapped everything up. And in this case, I was like, oh, we got like three pretty great issues by Roy Thomas of, you know, War Toy and Ultron, and, and I thought, oh, maybe this annual is going to be like this cool double-sized wrap-up. But instead of dealing with Ultron and kind of finishing off the story, it just dealt with, like, this Raptor kid for most of the time. It was kind of like a weird epilogue to go into Raptor, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, think, I think they could have put anybody in this, uh, you know, besides Ultron and War Toy, and it wouldn't have made a difference. Yeah, yeah, they were just yeah, pretty much they were just there because they're like, hey, the kids know Ultron, you know, we'll, we'll use him to introduce Raptor, or whatever. You know? Yeah, that, that's my feeling on it. Yeah, definitely. Oh. Yeah, I agree. So it's basically not bad as Age of Ultron, but nothing of of, of any really worth noting. Yeah, I mean, I, I, like I said, I do think the three issues with War Toy, you know, eighty nine to ninety one, were really really good, but this annual was just kind of uh, an afterthought that is pretty forgettable. Okay, cool. Yeah, that, well, that's why that's the main reason I I brought up that three issue arc is because I was thinking about Age of Ultron, how much we bash, and I'm like, we should let the fans know, like, we, we really do like you know Ultron. He's a cool character, and he does oh, have yeah. good stories. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, and and, and that was a fun story. I did like it. So Ultron created me to be perfect. He thought that meant less human, to be cold and unfeeling. I wish to be perfect, but I believe. That means to be more human. I guess we should move on to uh, the one you actually want to talk about, right? <laughs> well, I mean, uh, it's just, wow. Okay, so Bob Harris wrote this this Vision miniseries in 1994. And Manny Clark is the guy who illustrated it, I believe. And I, I, I don't know where to start with this. It's like, this is everything I feared when you mentioned the three-issue arc. Like this is this is the epitome of what I can't stand about nineties comics. It's four issues. You think it would be self contained and complete and you would you would get all the information you need within this four issues. You do not. Yeah. I mean it, you you have to have read things from Avengers Spotlight, you had to read the ongoing Bob Harris Avengers book, you uh, you would have to know a bunch of history about Ultron, so and and the Shi'ar and Jocasta and the Inhumans and all this stuff. 
and instead you don't really know. Well, I mean, if you don't know it, you will be lost, sure. And if you do know some of it, there's no guarantee you know all of it. So, I, I, I mean, I just felt like I, I did a lot of research just to understand the craziness that I was looking at. It Basically, <laughs> it, okay, the, the, the miniseries follows the vision, and the, the basic premise is the vision meets Ultron at this bar in New Orleans. And what's going on is all these robotic life forms are somehow infected with some kind of weird virus thing, and it's making them act off-color and strange. And in the case of Ultron, he is in New Orleans. He's talking with a funny accent, and he is basically drinking his life away in a trench coat. Like, I mean, it's it's just like, is there anything more crazy? Like, that? I mean, it just seems like it's so outlandish. And, like, I get the idea is supposed to be like, well, what can we show longtime readers that they would understand that this, this virus is affecting robots in such a crazy way? And they're like, hey, let's take Ultron, and we'll stick him in New Orleans, and then he'll be like, hey, boy, I'm drinking the sauce. Like, come on <laughs> in and have a beer. In that meeting where they're just like, Okay, how about we get Ultron shit-faced? <laughs> well, it is really bizarre. And, like, he's wearing a trench coat and a, like, fedora. I mean, yeah, I mean, like... I mean that that's tantamount to... There, there's a scene in Sovereign 7 where Chris Claremont had Darkseid show up to talk to some of the lead characters because he was going to be this ongoing big bad presence. And apparently he likes cappuccino from this one establishment. So he comes into the restaurant with a trench coat and a fedora. And it looks like the most ridiculous shit you've ever seen. Like, it's like, why why would Ultron, why would Darkseid, why would they care? I mean, if Ultron really wanted a beer, like, why does he have to put on a... It just sounds so insane to be talking about it. Why would Ultron want a beer in the first fucking place? And then why would he disguise himself to go get the beer? It's it's crazy. And I know it's supposed to be like he's affected by a virus and he's crazy. And obviously we're we're nitpicking and we're we're dealing with you know all this stuff. But it's it's kind of insane. And then what ends up happening is Vision himself gets affected by the virus. And then the the series takes a turn where all of a sudden. Vision is in this weird Dixon Hill holodeck kind of nonsense where he thinks he's a <laughs> private detective named Simon Williams. And as Tony mentioned, the character Jocasta previously, there's a new version of Jocasta. And instead of being all silver, she's gold. And she's like his Harley Quinn secretary or whatever. And out of nowhere, Crystal and Deathcry who were current Avengers at the time in Bob Harris's Avengers, and they try to procure Simon Williams' detective services, even though they know he's actually the vision infected by this virus, you know? And... This is when Death Cry still sucked. Uh, yeah, I mean... What do you mean, still? Like, <laughs> this is when she was currently and always sucked. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean... Well, I, I watched the dead Avengers. I thought she was okay. Yeah, that that was probably I I call that the only time she was like good. Yeah, so in in her death afterlife, she may have yeah. been cool. 
I yeah, it's weird because they have this they have this weird love triangle going on, and it's like for a character that's supposed to be sold as as not being able to deal with his emotions at this point, and and being sort of cold, a cold robot. It's funny that so many chicks are into him, and they have this like love triangle thing going on. But you've got like the golden Jocasta is like into him, and then Deathcry for some reason is into the Vision, and then Vision for some reason is into Crystal. And I'm just kind of like, what is going on and everything? And I, I didn't totally understand everything because I guess what happens is at this point, okay, the costume that Vision is wearing is no longer that Captain America and the Avengers video game Vision. And I guess the reason why that is is that version of the Vision met another character in Bob Harris's Avengers run called the Anti-Vision. And the Anti-Vision looked like the version of Vision that we're reading about in this miniseries. And to infiltrate the Avengers, the big bad called Proctor had him swap bodies with the Captain America and the Avengers video game version of Vision. So that version of Vision infiltrated the Avengers and attacked them and everything. And once that storyline was all done, our Vision, the good guy Vision, retained the anti-Vision body. And so I I guess you, you, you find out basically the people behind this virus are this one character, his name's Tablua Rasa. And like, he basically was a minion of that guy Proctor, and I guess he infected all these these robots and everything. And in a typical, like, stupid 90s trope that I hate, like, Tablua Rasa basically pones Ultron. Like, he not only does he make him drunk and make him wear a trench coat, but, like, he's pretty much at the character's feet. You know, so you're like, who is this new and, 90s asshole for, who can beat for, up for for extra 90s, like, maximum 90s-ness, he looks like a symbiote. Yeah, that's true. Like, well, kind of like a robot, like, uh, T2 symbiote, I guess, right? Like, yeah. Sort of. yeah, I didn't get the design that much. I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and, then, and then you find out, basically, the, the, the real anti-vision is actually behind the virus, and Tablua Rasa is working for him. But when I was first reading the book, I was like, who the fuck is this guy with all this goop on his fucking... I was like, who is that? And, like, I don't think they ever actually call him anti-vision, so I'm sort of going based off, like, like you know, internet wiki uh, stuff. And I, I kind of wish Justin was here to either defend all this stuff or explain <laughs> some of it to me, because I know he's, he's way more familiar with this era of Avengers than I am. But, like, it was one of those things where when I first saw the anti-vision and he's all, like, infected and everything. I wasn't exactly sure who it was. And then eventually I'm like, well, wait, that's the old, you know, ghost Snow White vision. And then I sort of figured out, well, oh, well, they they swap bodies, and, you know, he's the bad guy and everything. And, and then there's more, I mean, being a longtime Avengers reader, I know that Simon Williams, who was Wonder Man, they used his memory engrams on Vision. So I knew that some of his personality is based on Simon Williams. That's why Simon Williams loves the Scarlet Witch, and the Vision loves the Scarlet Witch. And and they even have this, like, poor man's, like, whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow or 
or for the man who had everything like thing going on where he, he would see visions of Wanda and the kids in the memories and everything. But then there was like other stuff that was going on where he meets this, this woman named Lipton. And I was kind of like, I had no idea what was going on with that. And basically if you actually read Avengers spotlight, you also find out that the vision at some point was, you know, the emotionless John Byrne vision and in order to deal with his emotions, like somehow the father of this guy, Alex Lipton, ended up sticking Alex's memories into the vision as well. So you're dealing with like yet another facet of of another person's. Me- so it's like it's not just Simon Williams. It's also this guy, Alex Lipton. So he's also in love with Alex Lipton, Lipton's wife. And, you know. It, it, to me, it's like when people say, like, is X-Men confusing, you know, or, or like they go into that thing like this. This to me is an example of if you don't know any of this stuff, like this is what it feels like for a non X-Men reader or a non comic reader to come into something like this. And it's like they just have no idea. Like, I mean, it, it's like it's like this was the point where all the Jim Shooter stuff. Of, of expositing and explaining to you, like, who the fuck this person is, what their powers are, why they could do what they do, why the bad guy's attacking the good guy. Like, all that stuff is not in this story. And they don't even have, like, the little, you know, kind of, whatever that was in the late 90s, that little made-up page, like, in the front of the cover to sort of get you up to speed, where it's like, Vision, and he does this, and... You know, like I, I think it, it kind of reminded me of, and maybe this is just me. I know some people do not have that much of a hatred for it, but it was kind of like when they did the Clone Saga in Spider-Man. They brought back Miles Warren and like the Gwen Stacy clone and stuff like that. If you've been reading Spider-Man for like maybe five years, you didn't know what the fuck was going on. <laughs> you know, yeah. you're like, wait, Spider-Man's a clone, and like Ben Riley's the real Spider-Man, and Peter Parker, yeah, it just it. It makes all the neurons in your brain fire at once because you just are getting so much information that makes no sense and you don't know how to correlate it to like anything unless you know the history. I, I, would, I think it. I think it was just the '90s. I think like all comics were like almost well, like yeah, that. Yeah, but, but I this think I think, I think that came from the idea that X Men was their top selling book, and so then they got this edict like, oh, make them all like X Men. It's like that. That's why the Clone Saga was very continuity heavy. Yeah, that, that's why the Clone Saga was around in the first place. Was because they were like, "Oh, we don't want Spider-Man to be well known because people like men of mystery, like Cable and Wolverine. So let's make the clone a man of mystery, and then we'll make him the real Spider-Man." You know, and you're just like, "Who, who the fuck thinks that's a good idea? I, I don't know how that <laughs> even. How does that translate the sales? I don't even understand yeah. like that." That reasoning, I, you know. I remember there there was a point where they were gonna resolve the clone saga by having Ben Riley and Peter Parker vanish in a giant explosion, and only one Peter Parker walks out of it, and you wouldn't know which one of it it was. Mm. I remember that. I remember that. Yeah, I was like, you're just left guessing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they they they, they like and like the people like like I think they they detail this in that that. Uh, web series, A Life of Riley, where they, they explore, like, that time in Spider-Man, and, um, the, the, the guy who was, like, um, 
where it was an answer ever going to come, and they were like, no, it wasn't. Like, they were just intending to just go on like that. Yeah, just, just leave people hanging. Like, that. that's what this feels like, except for it's with the vision. <laughs> except for it's with, like, arguably a second-slash-third-tier character that a lot of readers wouldn't have been following for the last five years, maybe. Well, yeah, I, I gotta say, I like the vision. I think he's a really cool character. But he is such a team character. He's really hard to, like... Well, it's funny, because they, they try to give him a team in this. You know, because he doesn't work as, like, just by himself. It's like they, they had to make Jocasta and Deathcry and Crystal, like, supporting characters in this book. And then you wonder, like, well, what the hell happens to, like, drunk Ultron and gold Jocasta? And, and when you really look into it, like nothing happens with them. I mean, I know, I know, we joke about how eventually, you know, in the Kurt Busiek run, there is that nod to like, oh, I got off the sauce, boy. But it's like the way they set up the end of this miniseries was like they're going to go off and have more adventures together and figure out like how to like not be drunk and stuff or whatever. Yeah, you know what I go mean? Like Bonnie and Clyde or some shit. Yeah. That, 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 like, yeah. other stuff was going to happen. Like, there were going to be, like, some kind of robot click. And then, you know, when you when you look at the Vision, the next time he shows up, it's like, oh, it's the crossing. And he's just, you know, going to hang with the Avengers. So I was like, well, what happened to your buddies? Like, you, you know, it's like they just were somehow, you know, nobody, this was so awful. Like, nobody else <laughs> wanted to deal with this shit. I mean, I suppose if Bob Harris was still writing it, like, he'd bring them back or something. But I think at that point, I, I don't know if Bob Harris was still writing it or not for The Crossing, but, you know, or maybe at that point. Uh, I think I want to say that was, like, Terry Cavanaugh, Cavanaugh? maybe. Okay. Yeah, like, some some but, other awful 90s writer. Yeah, but, but exactly. But still, he's like, I don't want to deal with your awful 90s bullshit. I'm going to make up my own. You know? <laughs> like, you know? Yeah. And, and like, the division status quo at the end of this series is that he's got, like, three or four personalities, like, running around yes. in his head. I don't think that's brought up again, either. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's like, Simon Williams, he's like, you know... Wanda's like husband, you know, and, and whatever. Yeah, I don't, I don't yeah, he's what. This guy, he's this guy, Alex Lipton. Like, yeah. So, yeah, it gets it gets kind of crazy with that. Yeah. When I read this, like, I, I got like the War Toy story. You know, it was like pretty good. You know, the annual shitty, but it was readable. I was like, I read it, I understood. Yeah, it's, it might it, the annual may have been average and may have been disappointing, but it wasn't incomprehensible. But this. I mean, and, and as Mike was saying about the the art, like, maybe in 92 they were just starting to do the image thing. Like, this is – I've got to talk about the art for a minute, guys. Like, I don't, know, I, don't know, I don't know if you know this or not, but it's like there are Jim Lee swipes in this that I don't even know where they come from. But they're also <laughs> Jim Lee swipes. Like, I mean, you know they have to be. It's, he went to Jim Lee's house and just, like, got his shit that he never published. <laughs> I, that, well, no, I mean, because, look, we're, like, right now, my avatar on the Skype screen, for people that are listening so you know, my avatar right now is from Wildcats issue number three. And what it is is it's an image of Warblade, who is kind of, if you're not familiar with the character, he's kind of like a Wolverine-ish character. He's got these big, giant, clawed hands and everything, and he's got, like, a ponytail, and he's supposed to be all badass and everything. And what he does in Wildcats 3 is he finds an evil alien, Daemonite, and he basically guts the shit out of him in this big splash, like, bottom panel or whatever. And if you look at, 
the image in issue number four of the vision around like page, I think it's like 14 or 15 or something like that. Literally when vision phases his hand through anti vision and like, you know, kills the bad guy or whatever it is, like saves the day. It's the same fucking thing. Like, I mean, it's a straight up swipe of that image. And there are pictures of Ultron. We described him as being in a trench coat it's basically just swipes. I think it's of Jim Lee's gambit. Like I couldn't find the, the, the proper correlating images. I mean, maybe it's Andy Kubert or somebody else, but I mean, they're definitely it's, it's gambit with like Ultron's head pasted on top. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, yeah. Destroy it's, all the organics, mon ami. Yeah, like. pretty much. <laughs> I mean, there, there, there are images in there where you're like, no, 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 that's, that's when Gambit was, like, fighting with, like, you know, I don't know. Like, Maybe that's why this takes place in Louisiana, so he could swipe, like, you know, images of, like, the, the like, you know, the Maybe, bayou. Yeah. So he could do the backgrounds for Jim Lee. The, the, yeah. the, the 90s thing that I noticed was that Crystal's hair is, like, twice as big as her head. Like, I was like, <laughs> like I was like, is that supposed to be Crystal? And I was like, what? Okay, it is, yeah. Yeah, she looks like fucking Pomeranian. <laughs> With a big-ass fucking, like, bouffant of hair over a little tiny head, yeah. I don't know. Like, all I know, like, just to some, sort of sum my thoughts on it is, like, all I know is when I started reading issue one, and I had never read this series before, but I had started reading issue one, and maybe two or three pages in, like, Vision, like, Death Cry shows up, and Vision, like, starts talking to her, and I just went, like, ugh. Like, I was just like, ugh. Was it like, as soon as I saw a death cry, I was like, oh, you it's going to be like one of those, isn't it? When, when, you know what's funny? What happened to me was, because this was my first time, too, I opened it up, I got to the two-page spread, that first two-page spread of issue number one, and just went, ugh, and then I had to leave it alone for, like, a couple days and get myself, like, motivated to, like, okay, you got to really, like, sit down and read this now, you know, because I was just like, holy crap, like, this is going to be terrible, and, like, it was. It was very, very terrible. I, I think when I was reading it, like, just the whole time, like, there was, like, a little, like, legitimate, actual, like, superimposed question mark over my head, and I just had that kind of twisted face, like, huh? <laughs> I just, I just could, I, it's not that I couldn't understand it, it's that it didn't make sense. That's the thing. It's like, it's not that I didn't get it. There was nothing to fucking get. <laughs> Well, it's just the, like I mean, I suppose if you like I said, if you if you research and you find out like where some of this stuff originated from, you may have a better frame of reference. But within the story itself, it's not. I mean, I I think it's purposely written to be like X Men. You know, it's purposely yeah. written to be convoluted like that, where you got to be like, huh, what? I better go read Bob Harris's Avengers title so I can understand what's going on here. You know what I mean? It's like that kind of spur of sales or something, where it's like things are so convoluted, you you feel like you're obligated to go buy other things just to figure out what the fuck is going on. And and the worst thing is, is like you have a good story, a totally average annual, and then this shit that's just piled together with the good story. <laughs> yeah, that, that's yeah, what's interesting. Like, I'm, I'm curious how that trade's going to go, because it's like, that first story is good. Like, I guess, I guess the the thinking is, like, well, these are these are other Ultron stories, so we better just 
stick them in there, but I don't know, man. Drunk, drunk, uh, is you is or is you ain't my baby's Ultron? Like, I don't know how that's going to fly, like, with the movie audience or whatever. So. I just, You're I just all. like the, 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 the end of the first issue, like, ends with, like, Ultron, like, kissing Joe Costa. And, like, I, I love the dialogue where it's like, it's like, it doesn't matter. It's like, the night is theirs. And Wait, I'm, no, like, you, mean, you mean, you mean Vision, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, the, what did I say? You, Ultron. you said Ultron. I, 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 okay, well, I meant like Vision and Jocasta like <laughs> yeah, kiss, and yeah. it's supposed to be all like, like I don't know, well, but it's, like, it's supposed the, to be the, like the, the that Dixon Hill kind of like pulp yeah. detective, like you know, she's she's you know hunched over or whatever. He's dipping her or something, and they're kissing, and it's like yeah, it's but it's like the the the, the like dialogue like boxes are all like you know it doesn't matter he pulls her close like the night is theirs and I'm like they should have added like they might as well have added in like another boxes like these robots gonna fuck like or something <laughs> well it's like it's like the genre like swaps are kind of strange too like because it's like you're in New Orleans one minute with like drunk Ultron in a trench coat and then all of a sudden it turns into like this Dixon Hill almost almost Sin City wannabe thing with the vision, you know, where you're like, well, what the, why, what? And and I, I guess that's supposed to be the point, like this virus is doing crazy things to these these synthesoids or whatever, but it, I, I don't know, it just it just feels kind of, like, cliche, you know? Yeah. Now, now I kind of want to, like, <clears throat> have a scene, though, in uh, the Age of Ultron movie, not, not the yeah, comic, but the movie, Whereas like James Spader and he's like walking out from the back and he's like, you know your problem is y'all got strings. You string it everywhere. Ain't <laughs> <laughs> got no strings. Yeah. Come on, no boy. On come, come take these strings off, Daddy. <laughs> like all the Avengers are like watching him, like you know, like with that face that they have. They're like, what's going on? And Ultron's wearing pants. And he like starts to say, he's like, I'm gonna show you something beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, like, sonny boy, I didn't name you Jarvis. Like, that's a crabby name. <laughs> we're just going to call you Vision, because you were Vision. <laughs> the first thing I'm going to take from them is, is fucking chips. I'm hungry. And then I'll take some hope or some, some, some shit. I don't know. Like, I love you guys. <laughs> I kind of want Drunk Ultron now. <laughs> drunk Ultron. Okay. I think I think they should do a a Secret Wars like Battle World multiverse thing where Drunk Ultron fights with Teen Tony. Like I would pay good money. <laughs> I would pay good money to see that. <laughs> like in this corner, in this corner, Teen Tony. Like oh my gosh, this art was great. In this corner, Drunk Ultron. Was he letting that kid drive to Iron Man? <laughs> oh my god, it's Ultron. You shut your whole mouth, alright? <laughs> no, but I, I, yeah, like, I, I definitely see what you're saying, uh, Derek. Like, it, it, it's kind of like, everyone, like, Vision is trying, like, they, he, it's clearly, like, made so Vision is trying to be, like, portrayed as sort of like a mysterious, like, badass cable guy or something at the end where it's like, you know, he's got all, you know, all these, like, voices in his head and, 
you don't know what's what, and it's all nebulous <laughs> and shit. And it's supposed to make you like he, he you could know, be like, this guy, he could be that guy, but he's got a gold hot babe robot <laughs> and a crazy drunk dad. On his side. It should it should have been like it should have been like Cable, where they give him like twenty names or something, where he's like he's Vision Simon Williams. Like <laughs> <laughs> he, yeah, he's like Vision Simon whatever. Williams, Alex Lipton, Akasaki son, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Ask him. Day spring. Yeah. Bloodsport. You know, like whatever. You know, you know what's really sad? I would like to think. I try to have like the like the most confidence in humanity. They were probably trying just to give Vision like a personality so he could be like a top tier character, but they just fucked it all up. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, it, it, this is this is kind of a difficult read, but I guess I guess to its benefit. I mean, th- this is something that whereas I guess the annual was kind of forgettable, this is very memorable, but in a in a kind of crazy outlandish like you want to yuck it up way. I mean, I'm never ever going to forget Drunk Ultron ever. But yeah. does that mean it's like the greatest comic ever? No, it's horrible, but I'll I'll never forget it. I think I told you, Derek, like, I didn't even know where Drunk Ultron came from, and, like, the only thing I knew him from was that one panel in, like, Ultron Unlimited by, like, Infusic's run, where I was like, where is that Ultron from? Like, and, like, I was like, well, now I now I have that horrible, horrible... Yeah, now moment. you have that horrible frame of reference. I guess we all do, so... Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> and the the last thing I want to say is, man, like Vision, you have like zero game because if you can't <laughs> score, with, like if, if you can't score with Crystal, then like there's no hope for you. Like, uh, like oh, man. well, his, his brain patterns are based on Simon Williams, and if anybody's a sorry sad sack of a dude with with the <laughs> ladies, it's Simon Williams. So. Yeah, like Simon Williams tried to get with one, and like the minute he was like almost ready to bone her, he turned ionic, and he was like, "Shit, my luck!" <laughs> Simon, Simon, I'm coming. Wanda! All right. Well, I mean, I I think that kind of winds things down and, and wraps things up with the Avengers West Coast Ultron Unbound. So, I mean, if you're interested in some of this, I I would I would check it out just for the the initial West Coast Avengers arc. And then, of course, the, you know, once you've seen it, you cannot unsee it. Drunk Ultron, Vision, Dixon Hill, whatever you want to call it, story. Um, definitely, you know, just, just for that kind of imagery and everything. It's but, kind of like you want to see it, but you really should. You really should just see it. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you could also, you could do a drinking game with it. Like every time you see a Jim Lee Gambit swipe, you know, you can you know, <laughs> yeah. take a swing. If you enjoy, like, and you may, train wrecky 90s yeah. comics, yeah. You, you may you may go to the hospital and have to get your stomach pumped, but, you know, <laughs> but, you know, you could you could play a game. So, so yeah, all right. Well, uh, I, I guess we'll move on to our regularly scheduled segment, which is what is awesome in your world this week? And I'm just going to go real quick. It's sort of Avengers-related. I just wanted to say that uh, this week, I did find the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Marvel Legends 3-pack waiting for me when I came home one night. And just quick thoughts. I mean, the Nick Fury is the Nick Fury. It's the same same model mold that we had before. The Maria Hill is a little less articulated in the arms, kind of like a lot of the 
the female figures and everything. But but I will have to say, like, the standout figure is the Agent Coulson figure. Like, he's on a really cool suit buck. He's highly articulated. He comes with that cool giant cannon from the Avengers movie and everything. And then he's got two swap-out heads, like one with the glasses and one without the glasses of Phil Coulson. And I, I think the one with the glasses is pretty awesome looking. Like, I think I'm just going to leave that head on and maybe have him, like, you know, kneeling down or looking at the uh, sight on the, the gun or whatever. But, like, he's he's pretty awesome. So, and I'm, I'm happy I was able to get that. I Eventually, I was able to get that fairly easily. I was, I was laughing with the guys that, you know, the first couple of days it came on Toys R Us, it was either not to be sold at stores and not available to add to the cart or something like that. And then occasionally it'd be like, okay, sold in stores. And then you'd look in like a 50 mile radius and it'd be like, not in stock within 50 miles of you, you know? And you're like, okay. And then the next day it'd be like, okay, you can add it to the cart. And then you'd click on add to cart and it'd be like, haha, you can't get in the cart, you know? So, but eventually like, I think after like two or three days, it finally actually worked. And so, like I said, it was waiting for me when I came home, and Coulson is, is pretty cool. Like, he's fun, so. I, I was going to say, like, I'm I'm surprised they didn't do, like, a new mold for Fury, because, like, that, that mold's, like, it's a yeah. nice mold. Like, he looks like Samuel L. Jackson, and but that damn arm, he's like, my motherfucking arm's permanently broken! <laughs> like, it's like I have to hold it, like, all awkward-like! Because it's like the the head sculpt actually looks like him and looks really nice. But yeah, I, I agree with you. Like I, they they need to retire that one that that mold, you know, because it's used on like the Red Skull and some other other guys, and it's just kind of like, come on, man, like you gotta. He can't lower his arm. Like yeah, you gotta, like, you gotta the gotta jacket is go. too thick, so he can't like lower his arm. But yeah, they could have done something like a Winter Soldier Nick Fury or something like that. You know. So that that's I guess you know with, with with a couple criticisms the the Agent Coulson part of that three pack is my awesome thing of the week. So what what about you, Tony? What's your awesome thing this week? Oh, uh, mine is actually also uh, toilet toy related, toilet related, um, toy related. Uh, the first is something that's kind of cool, not really like you know something I was dying to get, but I did get a uh, Captain Marvel, uh, Carol Danvers from the uh, Infinites uh, lineup. She's pretty cool. She's got a good female uh, sculpt, you know. She actually looks like a woman, you know. There's been issues with that in the past. Um, her face is actually pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, well, there's been some horrible female figures out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, no, I was just laughing because I was thinking about the old Scarlet Witch and the old yeah. White Queen and stuff, so yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, she, yeah, she's a really nice figure. Probably more so, though, is I got Bosk from the uh, Black Series. Um, I know, right? Um, as Derek well is well aware of, and probably most of the fans who listen, uh, I love the bounty hunter lineup from Empire Strikes Back. All those guys to me are iconic. I know some people don't give a shit about Zuckus or Four LOM, but those are my guys. And uh, Black Series is slowly releasing them. I already have Boba Fett and his white his white counterpart, and I got Bosk. And Derek was telling me like he seemed to be like kind of randomly showing up. He was like in weird case assortments and stuff, and I was like, oh, I'm not gonna get him. And I got him, and I was very happy about that. Uh, Boss does have a couple of niggles. His legs are great. He has really good articulation on his legs. His hands and arm and elbows, I wish they could bend more. They're a little restricted by, I guess, the way his outfit is sculpted, his, like, flight suit. So I'm kind of eh on that. 
But uh, yeah, it's all right. And his, his his head sculpt is amazing. It looks really good. There's actually good paint on it for once. I, I heard his jaw is movable too. Is that is that right? It is indeed movable. Uh, yeah, his head is not not as movable as I would like. But you can totally like do like the whole like you know where he looks down at the imperial officer is like ah! <laughs> yeah you know <laughs> it's like we don't need that scout <laughs> yeah we don't exactly. need that bosk <laughs> we don't need that bosk <laughs> I'm all about that bosk um but yeah yeah totally a totally a good figure if you like the black series and you've had some issues with like the paint apps where they're not as plentiful as you would like bosk really does clock in with some really good paint apps. Uh, he's definitely worth it, especially if you're an original trilogy fan, so that's my awesome thing. I guess, I guess it's hard to fuck up alien paint apps, right? Uh. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> you do overspray. There's like a little bit of green somewhere. Yeah, you're fine. <laughs> Alright, so how about you, Mike? You got anything for us for the awesome thing of the week? Um, well, partway, I guess I'll, I'll make it like a kind of trifecta and say I got some cool like Marvel Legends this week, like some of the latest like Spider-Man Legends wave. I got Daredevil, uh, what I like to call Pizza Spidey, <laughs> and uh, Mayday, like Spider-Girl. So, I mean, uh, like I think, Derek, you kind of said, yeah, like Spider-Girl could use some better articulation, but yeah, and they, I kind of wish seem, he had like... They seem to be skimping on the the ladies' articulation, at least on the arms, because, like, that, yeah. that that Mayday and the Maria Hill, it's like they don't they don't have the shoulder swivel, and then their arms are not double-jointed. So I'm kind of like, well, you know, I, I mean, I guess if that got me a better articulated Coulson, like, yay, but I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like, yeah. especially for, like, Mayday, like, she seems like she's, I don't know, may, maybe I'm overreaching, but I'm kind of like, come on, like, she's... She's like Spider-Man's daughter. Like she shouldn't be like a half-assed yeah. figure. I kind—I you know? was kind of hoping she would have some alternate hands, but no, she's she's stuck like web shooting everyone like always. So but yeah, whatever. yeah. Like, but, um, you don't expect him to be like leaping off buildings and stuff, but like Mayday, yeah, he's better be really poseable and awesome. Yeah, yeah. But Daredevil's really good, and Pizza yeah, Spidey's yeah. great. Like, like yeah. I, I don't know. Like I've had like a ton of, like, Marvel Legends Spider-Man guys, but I've never had, like, a good, like, standard Spidey. And, like, this one's great. Like, he has, like, three sets of swappable hands, uh, like, you know, uh, a swappable head with his mouth showing, and then he comes with, like, where where I where he gets his moniker, he comes with a slice of pizza that he can hold and yeah. like, pretend to eat and stuff. So, like, I'm really happy to have him, and he's pretty I awesome. I, I gotta say that masked Ray sculpt is just fucking hilarious. It, it's is spot on. It's really cool. Yeah, it's, I, I could have sworn it's based on like a cover or something, but like I know that there is a cover of him eating like a hamburger where his like his his mask is like that and stuff. But like I, I couldn't find one of him eating like a slice of pizza like that. Mm. Like so, I wasn't sure what that was based on. But. I don't. I don't rem like. It's weird. Like I remember when he was dating Black Cat, there were lots of scenes where either they would make out or eat food, and he would have to raise his mask like yeah. that. Yeah. But like I don't. I don't remember anything in particular with pizza either. And I was trying to look it up one time because I was like, oh, do they have anything with like pizza and Spider Man eating pizza? And most times it like you'd get like images of when he delivered pizza and like yeah, Spider-Man like 2 or something like that. So yeah. it's like, I'm, yeah. I, I don't know. It's, it, it must be tough because it's, it's too <laughs> generic of a term, you know, like you have to what really I, like, know your Spider-Man comics. 
what I was thinking of was I know there's a cover I think of it's uh, like a, a cover of Spider-Man Tangled Web or something oh, where okay. he's like reading a newspaper and like I th- like I knew his his mask was like that and I thought it was that cover and I, I thought he was like eating a slice of pizza but when I when I looked it up he's just eating like a hamburger hmm. so I was yeah. like okay well it can't be that cover then but whatever you know it's minor yeah. you know yeah. I, I will say like you know a lot of us like toys and stuff like that but uh. The images I've seen, I didn't know he was coming out. I was more, had a hard-on for uh, Miguel O'Hara, I really like Spider-Man 2099. But Pizza Spidey just looks fun, like a fun toy. Yeah, you know? he, he is fun. Yeah, he's, I mean, he, he serves as your definite, like, normal Spider-Man, basically. Like, I think the, the one I had before this was the Todd McFarlane, uh, like, styled classics Spidey or whatever that... That is cool, but he was also missing one of his fingers that, like, it snapped off at some point, and I never found it, so... You know you know what's weird? Like, I, I mean, I guess, I don't know if this will get me into trouble since I don't actually own one or whatever, but, I mean, I've seen them before. Like, I just... I don't know. Like, I, I just don't think that one looks aesthetically pleasing to me. Like, I know people dig it because of how articulated it is, but, I mean, I, I don't it's know. It's almost... I've, I've it's seen, almost like too like Todd McFarlane stylized. Yeah. Well, because almost. because yeah. I, I I mean not not to get uh, well we get crude all the time so I guess it doesn't matter but I mean I've listened to podcasts where they describe Todd McFarlane art as like you know Spider Man in the blow himself position or whatever and like you couldn't <laughs> you know you couldn't do that without removing some ribs and all that other kind of stuff and I mean I think that. The, the, the reason why it's called the either the Campbell or the McFarlane Spider-Man is because it can achieve some of those inhuman poses and stuff that Spider-Man tends to do. But, I, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I think this new one, the Pizza Spidey, looks aesthetically pleasing to me. Like, I look at it, and I'm like, you look like Spider-Man, and you don't look like this withered old, like, I don't know, <laughs> freak of nature that looks like, you know, I don't know, an alien had a love child with, like, you know, Aunt May or something, you know, so. Well, yeah, like, like, um, man, I, I hate to keep bringing up Bosk, but, like, Bosk is, like, he hits the poses he needs to hit, and he looks natural, but, like, you're talking about that McFarlane Spidey, there is sometimes too much articulation. You can make poses that look crazy and awesome, but they don't look realistic. There's, like, no one could bend that way without, like, yeah, you know, having no well, bones in the I body. Mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't mind if you do the crazy pose, but I guess my point is, when you just stand it up, like, profile, and, you know, it's like Sergeant Slaughter's, like, coming yeah, up. Yeah, because articulation looks weird, yeah. Him, you, you look at a guy just standing normally, and you're like, what the hell's wrong with Spidey? He needs to, like, eat some more sandwiches or something. He looks like <laughs> Allie McBeal or whatever, you know? And yeah, and when I look at Pizza Spidey, I'm like, oh, yeah, he's been eating some pizza. Like, he looks like a, a normal-sized, you know, like like, dude that, you know, I mean, it's Spidey, so he's not like this you know, muscle-bound oaf, but it's like he, he, he's got his muscles and he, he looks like Spider-Man, and, like, so I, I, I kind of appreciate that one. I know I know there's been some criticism of the lower, like, thigh articulation or whatever, but, I mean, I don't know. So far, you know, for what I've posed him in, like, it hasn't really bothered me or anything. Well, there, there's a line in Japan called Microman, and they're, they're super hyper-articulated, too. And they kind of have that same problem. It's like when you pose them, they look kind of cool because they can hit a lot of poses. <clears throat> but when they're standing static, they look really spindly and like not, you know, not like a real person looks. Like you said, they need to eat a sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> I, maybe 
uh, maybe I'll take this picture by the time this actually comes out. But I was like planning on it, but I just couldn't find the prop I needed. But like the the I, I was gonna do a, a shot of Pizza Spidey with Mayday, and like I, I was gonna have like the caption like Mayday like talking to him and being like like Dad, tell me about my Uncle Ben. And uh, Peter, Peter would be like, oh, we're standing in his tomb right now. And I'd pan out and show they were standing on a dustpan. <laughs> <laughs> but so maybe, maybe if I can, f- I couldn't find a dustpan. So maybe I'll make that by the time this like comes out, I'll have like made that picture. But Time, time to grab some Play-Doh or some Super Sculpty or something, yeah. Yeah. No, That's... well, uh, or I would just go out and buy a dustpan. But like, yeah, for help, yeah. I don't know. Maybe making a dustpan out of Play-Doh would be efficient to you, Tony. But maybe I, well, I would I just. Were, I, I thought you were going like in scale as far as like a dustpan to them, and then I remembered you said his tomb. Yeah, yeah. So you, so you like, got to go get the Dollhouse One Twelfth dustpan. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. Sorry, I, I, I misconstrued scale issues. I'm, I apologize. No, no, it's okay. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Well, we we hope you guys have enjoyed listening to our our uh, vicious commentary on the Vision miniseries and uh, some of our praise for the Avengers West Coast, which we all happen to be fans of. And since this does deal with Age of Ultron, of course, by the time you're listening to this, Age of Ultron probably has been out now for for close to a couple weeks. So we hope you uh, have gotten a chance to catch that and, and have all the Avengers good fun with that. And if you have any comments, questions, concerns, please email us at fanholespodcast at gmail.com. You can check us out on fanholespodcast.blogspot.com. And we are on Stitcher Radio. We are on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and Tumblr. Tumblr. All, all that kind of good social media stuff. So if you want to check us out on any of those pages, any of that social media, please do so. And until the next time, this is going to be Derek, Derek WC, Vaya con Dios, Vengadores, signing off. It's Mike and poor Carlos, the pool guy. I know, huh? <laughs> and this is Tony. This an officer. You may think I'm drunk, but I'm not drunk. And if you have a problem with that, I'm going to... Hey! I bet U.S. agent just called, like, Carlos, like, Spanish Jarvis or something. (laughs) Like, you got to stop calling him Spanish Jarvis, U.S. agent. Otherwise, we're going to kick you off the team. Yeah, says who? Me. He just called him, like, random, like, his band names. Hey, Jose, come here a minute. (laughs) My name is Carlos. Yeah, whatever, Miguel, whatever. He's like, like, Spanish Jarvis, like, Spanish Jarvis 2. Like and then he's like girl Jarvis who was Spanish, yeah. But see, but see, you know, you know, in his heart of hearts, U.S. agent is an okay guy because after Ultron, you know, slayed Carlos, he's like, God damn it, we gotta avenge Spanish Jarvis. I'm gonna punch <laughs> Ultron one for Spanish Jarvis. See, so so you know he's not all bad.
They're just like the scene of like uh, USA just standing on like a hill. He's got like one tear going down. Like Hawkeye's like, "What's wrong? Uh, nothing. I was just thinking about Spanish dramas." <laughs> that would be a good pinup for one of the annuals, like U.S. agent standing on a cliff with a tear, and like we will never forget Spanish Jarvis. <laughs> So just underneath them, just have Spanish Jarvis, you know, 1974, 1995. <laughs> it's like, it says Spanish Jarvis, and it has, like, the dates, and then it has, like, a quote from, like, one of the other, like, uh, staff members. It's like, oh, his name was Carlos. Like, <laughs> <laughs> then, then it's like, then it's like the angry, like, close-up face with the tears, like, running down, like, a, a, a U.S. agent's face is like, we will never forget. <laughs> it's like his last words were, Dios, it's Ultron. Ah! <laughs> My pool! 